You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And welcome to show 121 of 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And growing up with all the Sylvester Stallone movies in the 1980s, the big question is, are you more of a Rocky or are you more of a Rambo? Unfortunately, I've discovered I'm really more of a stopper. My mom will shoot. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say I'm a Copland. <laughs> I'm a Copland. <laughs> and I'm more of a rhinestone. <laughs> Uh, what is wrong with all of you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. don't get over the top, Mike. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, or we'll have a death race. Okay, you, you the broke, joke's over. Yeah, you broke it. <laughs> if you haven't picked it up off of that, Pat, go listen to some Creed. Yeah, this is the uh, Sylvester Stallone show. We are celebrating the work and artistry of one Sly Stallone this week. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a uh, focus on the career of an actor. So uh, we took this pad off. Well, yeah, we, we're going to do a well uh, liked action movie star who's participated in multiple franchises who is not named Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Welcome to the Dolph Lundgren show. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, but I got to take what I can get. Well, you know where you're never going to be disappointed? <laughs> Hey, if you tune into the great podcast at the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network, uh-huh. you can just tune your browser to www.musingsofageek.com and find such shows as Arrow of Time, the Moving the Needle podcast, Outlandish Conversations, the History of Bad Ideas, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, and everyone's favorite defunct sports show, the Left Field Sports Lounge. Yes. Yay. Well, I figure out how to tune my browser. Uh, yeah, can, damn it. I was going to get that. I was going to say, what if... <laughs> Shit. You oh, also, your browser doesn't have dials? <laughs> Damn it. He's, he's podcasting on a Victrola. He's, he's using Netscape Navigator. Uh, you can also go at 12 o'clock noon on uh, Geek Life Radio, geekliferadio.com. You can find us Saturdays at noon uh, right after uh, Stick Twiddlers. I don't know what that is, but I want to. I wanna it's got to be a video game show. Probably. And then uh, before Turnbuckle Throwbacks. On Could Saturday. be a porn show. No, Stick, tw- Stick Twiddlers sounds like a show after the Hacky Sack Hour. It's like the street performer like block of shows. Was just guys doing it's, like it, devil sticks? No, yeah. It's a podcast all about whittling, and these guys just sit and whittle and talk about it while they podcast. Now and there's see. two of them, so it's stick to whittlers. <laughs> now there are two whittlers. I'm tuning my dial somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so have we have we gotten any response back from uh, the crowd this week, Josh? Uh yeah, we've uh, got some holiday wishes. Uh, on our voicemail line. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do that at 708-669-9727. That's a 708-NOW-RAP. Or you can always uh, shoot us an uh, email at 40go14 at gmail.com or send us a tweet at 40go14. I've got a voicemail here from Ron. Hey, 40 on 14. This is Ron. Just wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. 
thank you for the all the entertainment you guys provide and hope everything is going well for you. Take care and again, happy new year as well. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. Ron. From Gen Con. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. Gen Con. Yeah. How could I ever forget? We had a <laughs> we had a love that shall not be spoken of. Oh, we weren't talking about it, dude. Well, you blew that too. Just oh, like, damn just it! Like the couch gag. <laughs> you blew that too. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. I that see what was you did innuendo. there. Innuendo. Uh, we were uh, off for a couple of weeks since we did two shows back to back. So I suppose we should announce two contest winners. Uh, three, three, three. Yes. So we have uh, contest winners Brian Farrell, astute listeners Brian Farrell. Will's, that's Tommy the Duck. Tommy the Duck. Will Zamboli. I don't think he, he doesn't have a nickname, does he? No, but he's from the uh, Schemes and Themes podcast. That was the uh, email he uh, sent his entry from. Yep, and uh, astute listener Joe Eberino also are the winners of the Calliope Games giveaway for the month of December. So, yeah, if your name was just uh, called off and uh, you haven't sent us a mailing address, we actually probably have it already. But uh, just to be sure, uh, go ahead and send those emails in with your shipping address for uh, either Thieves or 12 Days, is it called? Yeah, 12 Days or Thieves. So, But, uh, yeah, so uh, there you go. Yay! Happy Christmas. Winners. Huzzah. Huzzah. All right. All right. So that it for 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 uh, feedback and all that. Yeah, that's, that's what we've got. People are uh, busy for the holidays. All right, so now it's time for uh, time for the thing. Uh, are you asking if it's about that time? Oh, it totally. Is. <laughs> Music, movies, TV, and sports. All right. So this week we're doing 1982. Because apparently not. Or at least a Rocky three. <laughs> what this is. Did I type that? You, Matt? Yeah. Or was that me? Yeah. yeah I right. got a pre-release Nobody. of Rocky of uh, Rambo three in 1982. <laughs> Hulk Hogan was not in Rambo three. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, 1982, the release of Rocky Three, the only one with Hulk Hogan. Thunderlips. <laughs> the ultimate man versus the <laughs> ultimate meatball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, music, 1982, the number one song in the land is Let's Get Physical by Olivia Newton-John. Man. Which, yeah, I'm pretty sure that video accelerated my puberty by like two years. Yeah, you, and she still sure? looks good. Yes, she today. does. And talk about a good workout song. The, the video? <laughs> <laughs> I just put that on loop when I'm doing my jazzercise. By jazzercise, he means masturbating. <laughs> I do Pretty much every, everything is a euphemism for masturbating. He's got I'm... a little leg warmer thing that he puts on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for some water. Bet you are. Also, uh, Morgan Lee Lander was born on January 6th, and she is the lead singer and guitarist for the Canadian metal group Kitty, and her sister, Mercedes Lander, plays drums for the band. I have not heard of this Kitty band. I, I think I'd like to, though. You haven't Apparently heard Apparently, she does, she does like the, the typical growl metal, and she does like just normal singing, too. So You haven't heard of Kitty? Well, not as of, a metal band, no. I've heard of Kitties. Oh, man. But it's a good group. So, so you actually have heard of them? I, I thought there I, was a chance yeah, you might. Yeah, I own several of their albums. Yeah. But, huh. you, but you have yeah. no. But you don't own Super Unknown. No, I I found out that I I own Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown. Okay. I was wrong. All right, I, just I like have, he's wrong about the Eagles. Yes, <laughs> that, that I don't own any of on purpose. <laughs> See, now Joel doesn't know this, but the last time I was at his house, I had a copy of the Greatest Hits Eagles album, and I stuck it in his thing. So he owns the Eagles now. Nice. I have to go look now. <laughs> knowing you, you probably did. <laughs> Hit a copy of the Eagles' greatest hits inside Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. <laughs> That'll learn him. Damn it, now I gotta look. 
All right, while he's doing that. I have hidden an Eagle CD somewhere in your house, Joel. <laughs> uh, movies, Sharky's Machine is the number one movie in all the land. That's uh, Burt Re- uh, Reynolds, right? Yep. And uh, knocks off Time Bandits. Aw. Aw. I yeah. like Time Bandits. Me too. I like Sharky's Machine. It wasn't, it wasn't I've never seen it. it. It's pretty good. Cop movie, you know. Yeah. Time, but Time Bandits was just so much fun. You know, I remember, it definitely held up better than Sharky's Machine did. Oh, yeah, totally. But uh, I remember telling the girls, like, you know, uh, they're like, oh, what is this about? I'm like, it's a bunch of midgets traveling through time, being chased by God and trying to avoid Satan. Was <laughs> that Terry Gilliam's first film uh, as a director? Might have been. I'm looking it up now. Yeah. <clears throat> Dance for me, Google Monkey. Hopefully my internet will go as quickly as... I mean, I suppose he had writing credits technically on the Python stuff. Oh, yeah. So we're looking for a director. Yeah, I think this is the first one that he did like on his own with uh, handmade films. I believe it was still... Um, no. Monty Python and the Holy Grail was his first directorial debut. <clears throat> oh, he directed it. Then Jabberwocky, then Time Bandits. Okay, so Jabberwocky was a non-Python project that uh, was still before Time Bandits. Oh, That's... 77, Time Bandits was 81. That was a weird movie. Jabberwocky? Yeah. Yeah, it was really strange. It was like he did that, and they're like, it was good, just tone it back a little. <laughs> we don't know why we like it, but we do. Yeah. And then we got <laughs> Give us some of that, but not as much. Oh, man, we gotta do a Terry Gilliam show, because I would love to have to watch Brazil again Ooh. i'd just like to watch the fisher king again oh god yeah all right well uh also this week clash of the titans is released along with a bunch of movies that we've never heard of boobo <laughs> <laughs> i remember seeing that at the theater this was if i remember also correctly this was um ah crud just like his name just dropped it on my ray mind. ray harryhausen this was his last uh gig doing uh stop motion for movies oh. yep. huh. no. i knew it was a harryhausen joint i just didn't know it was his last one yeah, I think that I think that was his last. But uh, no, I I <clears throat> now I don't want the 2010 one. <clears throat> Have you guys seen the 2010 one? Yes. Of what? Clash, Clash of, the of the Titans. Oh no, it was pretty crap. It was. I, yep. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to ruin the Ray Harryhausen memories I have. Um. Although I suppose that's a, that's a potential show for us. I was just about to type it in our show ideas. Harry Harryhausen. No, uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Oh, I thought you were going to say actually Harry Hamlin movies. <laughs> Let's uh-huh. do an all Harry Hamlin show. Let's <laughs> not. It looks like he did One Million Years BC was yeah. was after that. Clash of the Titans. He was producer of visual effects in eighty one. I don't know if that means he had anything to do with them or not, or he was just like the. Well, this was eighty two, so this would be after eighty one. You know, it would be. Yeah, well, yes. they have it as eighty one here. Traditionally, <laughs> are we going international <laughs> rules? <laughs> <laughs> We're going cricket rules here. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep moving. We've beaten Clash of the Titans to death. <laughs> TV, the first American test tube baby, Elizabeth Jordan Carr, is born in Norfolk, Virginia on December 28th. I don't know why. Did they televise it? It was a, it was crazy coverage on television. That's the only reason it's in the TV section. Oh. Yeah, it'd be on TV news all the time. It must have been. A- it, was, it was the lead story on every news station. It must have been a big test tube near the end. Right. <laughs> Uh, Brian Gumbel and Chris Wallace become co-hosts of NBC's Today Show on January 4th. Hmm. Yeah. Goes all the way back then. Who doesn't hmm. love a good gumbel? <laughs> I love a good bowl of gumbel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fame premieres on TV on December 7th, and it does not live forever. How how many seasons did that go? I think it was Damn, a lot. Good question. It just turned off IMDb. <laughs> I was not prepared for follow-up questions. 
fame oh. TV series. It ran from 82 to 87. Wow. That's longer than seasons. I would have thought. Yeah, it was too, yeah. like two seasons at least. Uh, January 1st, K- Cable News Network, CNN, initiates an associated channel dubbed CNN2 that features round-the-clock news wheel format. The channel like- would be renamed CNN Headline News a year later and is now known as HLN. That's a hot Latvian nudes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, big format change. They figured they were in the entertainment business anyway, so they may as well commit. I'm glad you ran with that because I completely forgot to do the acronym. So <laughs> I, I just figured it was a lame acronym of the week, so I was like, okay, I guess this is it. <laughs> well, I'm curious to see what you would have done with NHL then. That's the only other acronym in there. So yeah, I was, uh, my choices were HL, HLN, ABC, or NHL. I think I chose wisely. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, yep. On January fourth, ABC broadcasts a TV adaptation of The Elephant Man with Philip Anglum and Kevin Conway reprising roles that they originated on Broadway. <laughs> TV adaptation that right? wasn't like mm-hmm. they didn't. It wasn't. It was rewritten for TV. It wasn't just like they showed the movie. No, 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 no. The David Lynch movie. Well, they could have. I mean, it's. Well, yeah, this the, in '82. This was the made-for-TV uh, Elephant Man. Okay. Well, was it? But if it was on Broadway, was it a musical? Then I not everything on Broadway so. is a mu- musical. It is if you ignore the ones that aren't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know they, where that is. So. <clears throat> Elephant Man, the musical. <laughs> is that, uh, I am not an animal. <laughs> Broadway Elephant Man. I'm looking it up now too. Because yeah. Interesting. Bradley Cooper was starring in the Broadway Elephant Man. Oh, yeah. Recently. Yeah. Obviously. I don't know. Obviously. Why. Yeah. Not in 82. <laughs> yeah. He played the fetus. He <laughs> had him in a test tube. <laughs> I'm just imagining a little five-year-old boy dressed up as Joseph Berry. I'm not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> they should have a, a Muppets version. <laughs> it but, it, but it would be animal in right. the yeah, easy. That's, uh, that's getting really meta. And the elephant man is just an elephant, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dr. Teeth is like, that's an elephant, man. <laughs> All right, so sports. I don't know before this goes any further down this rabbit hole. Uh, seeing as January 1st is where the majority of college bowls take place, a lot of college football memories are on this day. <laughs> None in particular. None in particular. No, this segment. Pretty much all of them. lots. There were like eight of them, and I didn't want to type any of them out. So I'm like, okay, lots of college football. So, but on December 30th, Wayne Gritzky hits an NHL record of 50 goals in one season by game by the 39th game of the season. And that's less than halfway through the season, just FYI. Uh, and I believe that that record was smashed this year. Really? No, no. It wasn't 50 goals in a season that was smashed. <clears throat> it was his uh, number of uh, – it was his – thanks, Joel. I thought it was his copy of the Elephant Man soundtrack. No, <laughs> it was the number of consecutive games with a score by a single player, whether that's an assist or an actual goal. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it was smashed this year by somebody on the Blackhawks. Hmm. Very nice. Well, there you go. That is This weekend. You like that? Man. That was my, my, resol- <laughs> my resolution for this year is to have my shit together for all the bumpers. Um, <laughs> no. Doing good so far, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, you're at 100%. <laughs> for January 2nd. That's awesome. Uh, so right in the elevators, you'd be at about 50%. Oh. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> Sylvester. Elevators kill. Gardenzio. <laughs> oh, jabber. Yeah. Sylvester Gardenzio Sly Stallone. 
Born in July 6, 1946, he is a actor, screenwriter, producer, and director known for roles as Rocky Balboa from Rocky and uh, John Rambo from the Rambo First Blood movies and Barney Ross, which is a very bad name for an action hero. <laughs> His choice, though. Yeah, he, he picked it. Uh, the three Expendables films from uh, 2010 to 14. <clears throat> he co-wrote most of the 14 films in all three franchises and uh, directed many of them. So I think he's sitting down, he's watching uh, Friends and How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> and in the other room, one of his grandkids is watching Barney. And... No, Barney's on How I Met Your Mother, Joe. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm just saying that between the three of them, it was like an epiphany. All right, so... <laughs> I love you, you love me, <laughs> I will shoot you in the knee. I like will a, not be ignored! It's like an epiphany. There, see, I saved you, Joel. I made a worse joke. Mike, move on, please. Oh, my God. Aww. All right, uh, so Rocky, his best-known movie uh, that I, well, back then, his, his startup movie that kicked off his uh, career the best, um, was nominated for two... Well, he was nominated for two Academy Awards for Rocky. Uh, best Original Screenplay and Best Actor. We have more trivia about Rocky the movie itself later on. Uh, but he was only the third man in history to receive these two nominations for the same film, after Charlie Chaplin and Orson Welles. And only he and Chaplin won both of them. Pretty good company. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Uh, Which is impressive, considering... Yeah, and I actually think... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, considering how most people look at, at Stallone. But anyway, you were saying... Sorry. I, I, I actually think that when he won the best actor for playing Rocky, it was for... It was actually not for the first Rocky. But he remains with Charlie Chaplin, the only uh, person to uh, be... To win... Best director and best actor for the title character. Or best screenplay and best actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he, in 1976 is when Rocky came out, and Stallone got worldwide fame off of this one. He had watched the Muhammad Ali-Chuck Wepner fight, and he went home, and in three days hammered out the script to Rocky, denying that the Wepner fight had anything to do with it. Uh, they also suggested that... Um, Rocky Grazino's Graziano Graziano's autobiography. Somebody up there like likes me uh, may have been an inspiration, and there may be some truth to this because Wepner filed a lawsuit and uh, eventually settled out of with Stallone for an undisclosed amount. But um, so Stallone pitched the movie to Erwin Ir- Winkler and Robert Chardoff. And they offered him $350,000 for the rights to the movie. But they wanted to have either Robert Redford, <clears throat> Burt Reynolds, or there was one other <laughs> as as Rocky. Uh, you, Adrian. Yeah, yep. Stallone Adrian. refused. Check out what I did there, Adrian. Knock out Apollo. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> they have Dom DeLuise in there somewhere as his trainer. <laughs> Dom DeLuise is Pauly. <laughs> I was going to say he would be Pauly. Hilarious. Uh, Stallone refused to sell, held his uh, ground unless he could play the lead character. And after a 50% budget cut compromise, he, they agreed that he could be the star. And what's crazy about that is when he stuck to his guns, he had $106 in his bank account. Mm-hmm. And was preparing to sell his dog because he couldn't afford to feed it anymore. Yep. And he actually managed to wound up having the dog in the movie because the dog in Rocky is his actual dog. Yeah. And when they did that budget cut, the studio was so hardcore about it. They basically told uh, Chartoff and Winkler, it's like you've got a million dollars and every dollar you go over a million, you guys have to pay. Right. And they both ended up having to mortgage their house because the final film came in at $1.1 $1. 1 Yes. And they definitely... Uh, 
back the right horse on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, because later on, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, including Best Actor, Best Original Screenplay, like we had said, and also went on to win uh, Best Picture, Best Directing, and Best Film Editing. So, yeah, he definitely uh, hit it big with this one. Because I think he was like living in, uh, no, it was when he first started, he was living in the um, the bus stop, right? He had a he had a rough start. He really did. <clears throat> yeah, he um well and you can see from birth he had issue with pursuing a dream of being an actor. Because mm-hmm. you look at uh his trademark facial expression, uh, they always call it the Stallone sneer, and his interesting method of diction with a slurred speech. A lot of people don't know this, but I, I put this in the notes last night. I discovered that uh, he's had partial facial paralysis from the day he was born. He had a complicated delivery, and the doctors reached in with forceps to pull him out and accidentally ser- severed a nerve in his face. Ah. And, uh, yeah, he's been partially facially paralyzed since the day he was born because of that. Well, Somebody- and if you ever want to see what he would look like if that hadn't happened, just go watch a movie with Frank Stallone in it, and you'll you'll have a good idea. But then you'll have watched a movie with Frank Stallone in it. Yeah, and you'll come back and punch anyone. me in the head. I don't know. Frank Stallone was in Rocky, if I recall. Yes, he was. He throws him a bone every once in a while, but man, when he does stuff on his own, it's not good. Yeah, it's kind of like that um, Ron Howard thing. <laughs> hey, don't knock Clint Howard. <laughs> so uh, Stallone's first starring role was in the softcore porn, The Party at Kitty and Studs. <laughs> I think Pat is the only one who has seen this. Uh, he has paid $200 for two days' work, which really ain't too bad, but he did it out of desperation after being evicted from his apartment and uh, finding himself homeless. He was sleeping for three weeks in the Port Authority bus terminal in New York City mm-hmm. before he saw a casting notice, and he has said it's either do that movie or rob someone because he had nothing left. He was at yeah. the very end of his rope. So He was frequently working in film, but as an usher. Huh terrible yeah well i mean you know what i mean he is honestly like one of the best you brought himself up from nothing stories yeah it really is so well let's go Le- back he legitimately back. earned his spot basically oh yeah completely yeah he definitely you know when they when you have these you know these actors and actresses now that are like oh man i suffered for my work no you haven't <laughs> did you do hard did you do softcore porn because you were living in a bus stop no he did i i mean uh, it gives me i'm sure some of them have well probably but i'm sure some of us have currently just me? Okay. I'm doing bus stop porn as we speak. <laughs> Busstopporn.com. <laughs> Hold please, on, let me please. check. No, don't, 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 don't. don't, don't. don't, don't. I, that can go nowhere good. We need you for the rest of the show, man. <laughs> so, uh, 1970, the party at Kitty and Studs. Uh, originally hardcore, but at this point is possibly apocryphal. Yeah, I mean, he said that it was originally hardcore in an interview in the mid-80s with Playboy. But there's a lot of disagreement on whether it was ever actually hardcore, but it's uh, generally recognized that the sex in The Party and Kitty and Studs, whether it was ever filmed as such, was not simulated. Hmm. Well, that's... So, Pat. Yeah. You've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you see it when it was recut as the Italian Stallion after the release of Rocky? Um, I'm not really sure what, what version I saw. I downloaded it way back in the in our college days, and... Is that, is that the one that they the soundtrack was all the uh, music from uh, the dating game? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. 
But yeah, I don't remember much about it. I just know I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they partially edited it without paying attention to cutting certain things out that made like parts of the story or running gags make sense. Like there's a yeah. dog for no reason in the middle of the movie because they cut out the scene that explains him. Yeah, it was just oh, – I just remember watching it and just thinking, you know, it was just very strange and just badly edited. I mean, I do remember thinking like, you know, some things didn't make sense. So it just – I, you know, it just was something that didn't really stick with me. I, I, just, I just know I, I've seen it. Knowing you, I could see you watching and being like, where did the dog come from? <laughs> where, why is there a dog? I do not explain dog in this porn. <laughs> so, All right, so past that, 1971, he did a movie called Clute. At Fabergé. And then past that, he uh, he did the movie called The Lords of Flatbush. By Fabergé. Yeah. The Lords <laughs> of Flatbush, none of us have seen, but it's important because not only was it an early f- film for him, but it was an early film for Henry Winkler uh, in a leather jacket pre-Fonzie days. And uh, this film is one of the only reasons why the studio uh, greenlit Rocky, because the execs were sitting around and a cut of Lords of Flatbush was sent to them just to show them that Stallone could act. And they're sitting around and one of the studio heads is like, well, which one is Stallone? And another one says, well, I think he's the blonde kid. And the guy who was in charge of greenlighting it was like, oh, oh, I like the Stallone kid. And they mistakenly greenlit Rocky as a film because they believed that Perry King, who was the lead in Lords of Flatbush, was Sylvester Stallone. Oh, boy. And didn't know their mistake until Rocky uh, was finished. So, in all honesty, (laughs) Rocky being made is just like this perfect storm of accidents. Yes. That's crazy. I mean, good for him, but still, that's nuts, you know? He's the potato chips of the Hollywood scene. What? <laughs> it's created by accident, but everybody loves oh, it. <laughs> like, all right, once again, Joel's saying something that I don't understand. Okay, it's like me? Like the buffalo wings. Of- <laughs> buffalo so wings. after that, 1975, oh. he played Youth in Park in Prisoner of Second Avenue. I'm going to cruise through these a little bit. Uh, he played Frank Nitti in the movie Capone in 1975, and he was in Death Race 2000. I can't believe I'm the only one that's seen that. You know, I couldn't remember if I'd seen the original Death Race or not, so <clears throat> I didn't put my Carey, initials right? on it. I'm just I'm shocked that no one has seen this movie with Dennis at some point. I'm not sure that I haven't, but I didn't want to put my initials next to it unless I was positive and I didn't get a chance to check the trailer. So <laughs> I think Joel and I were in the same. It's like, I don't want to be called on for this one because I don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> I have. It's but. bad. It's real bad. Like it's the the whole plot is it's the future and there people people play a game that's very popular um, where they run pedestrians over in their cars and they get points for running over different types of things and oh, it's so just really the, stupid. That's where the old lady two points thing came from. Yep. Yeah, nice. yeah. Which and <clears throat> it's where it's where one of my favorite Sylvester Stallone lines of all time come from because he, he's got a girl in his car and they're arguing about something. And his retort, and they cut away immediately after this line, like, ha-ha, he got her real good. His retort to her is, yeah, well, you ain't nothing but a big, big potato. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. (laughs) All right, after that, they do 1975, Farewell, My Lovely. And then we skip to 1976, who plays Rocky Balboa. Now, Rocky Balboa was the highest grossing movie of 1976. Just Rocky. Rocky Balboa was... Or Rocky, released. yeah. Yeah. Rocky was... Because Rocky Balboa actually is another movie, yeah, so... Yeah, but years, years from now. But, uh, no, it's uh, the highest grossing one. We've already gone over the fact that, uh, you know, Winkler and Chardoff mortgaged our houses to uh, pay off the 0.1 million left over budget that 
they were, but uh, all of us have seen it. So let's uh, jump in. I mean, I think a lot of people who saw Rocky years ago forget that uh, he doesn't win the fight at the end. And that's not the point. It's mm-hmm. He's a small-time boxer uh, who has pretty much given up any uh, goal of even winning a minor title in the Bush Leagues. And he gets this crazy storm of possibilities chance to actually get in the ring with the heavyweight title fighter. And uh, everyone says he's not even going to make it around. And he manages to hang in there. And I I think it's crazy that so many people believe he wins the fight in the first one. That's usually how you can tell if somebody has not seen it. Or hasn't seen it in 10, 15 years. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the reason that it has did what it did and has a sustaining power that it did is that it can defied some of the conventions of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. It did. I mean, because you, you expect it to mean you see the um, all the trailers for it. You look up some of the older ones. You're like, oh, man, this is this underdog type movie where he comes from, the, you know, brings himself up from the bottom. It's almost uh, almost like a story of his own life, except he, you know, he totally wins in the end. Uh, but, yeah, that's what here's another one of the trivia is that the the scene where he's talking to Adrian about how how he frightened he is about everything was almost cut. They did running out of time. You know, running out of time, running out of money, the whole thing. He did that whole scene in one cut. But, you know, the the whole thing is that ultimately he won in his mind because he got Adrian. You know, he got he got what he wanted. He got his chance to back to, to fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he, and he wanted to go to the distance. That was his big goal. And he did. Yeah. And everyone said he wouldn't go the distance. And he did. That's the thing is that not only does he subvert expectations where it's not a come back from behind and win, but he loses and you feel good about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and watching it again this last week you know in in preparation for the show it it holds up i mean the editing the pacing the the script the everything about it still hold held up to me it it's still just a really really good movie yeah i think this movie deserves all the accolades it gets yeah i mean it's there's i mean there's a lot of throwback corniness to the, you know jokes about rocky and that sort of thing with the whole adrian and that, but in in reality, this is a really good, I mean, solid drama. I, I would consider this more drama than it would be a full-on sports movie. Uh, it's also interesting that Rocky was one of the very first films to ever use the Steadicam. It had just been invented, and uh, there, uh, it, it isn't the actual first one. Bound for Glory uh, technically has the honor of having the very first shot with a Steadicam, but Rocky was right after it in the... Uh, uh, big Philadelphia Art Museum training, jogging, running up the f- stairs. That was one of the earliest uses of the Steadicam as an invention. And you know, one of the other interesting things about this is is when when you create something that's iconic and it takes on a life of its own. You, to think about it, here's a film about a guy who isn't very smart. He is um, a kind of a palooka, and yet the character has enough depth and uh, charisma and you care about him that it's carried it through not only the first film but six sequels technically after that and even up to the most recent movie creed that we'll talk about in the second half of the show the character still has life and people still care about him and that that says a lot about you know stallone and and his abilities as a writer not only as as an actor and a director sure i mean he gets such a bad rap because he plays these meatheads and he slurs his speech and i think a lot of people just think he's this big dumb guy but i mean he started pretty much as a writer yeah and a good writer too i mean he's this this movie is very well written i mean the the dialogue in it is 
Well, I mean, Stallone himself, despite his appearances and, and everything, he's a very intelligent guy. He's got a very high IQ. He's well-spoken. I mean, if you ever, like, see interviews or hear anything about him in his personal life, he's, I mean, you know, very nice person and very, very intelligent. Yeah. Kind of the opposite of a lot of the characters he plays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting that most of his, like, bad movies or bad acting things are more as a result of bad choice of script than anything else. Not, like, bad ability. Right. So... We'll talk about that when we get to over at the top. Excuse me. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of like the the anti Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so uh, just since we're running through the movies on this one, are we thumbs up, thumbs down on this one? Oh, thumbs up. Oh, thumbs yeah, up. I mean, yeah, it's one up. of the best films of all time. So yeah. Uh, Whoa. After that, uh, 1978, he did something called Fist, which surprisingly was not quickly. a porn. Oh. <laughs> a story about a man, the woman he loved, and the men he fought for. It's about him being a teamster. Oh, I was going to say, so this movie should be called Not Rocky. Yes, but he's uh, he's a teamster. I don't know what FIST stands for because it is an acronym, but anyway. Josh. What's it stand for, Josh? Uh, First International... Sturgeon testicle. I don't know. <laughs> so then after that, you put he me did, on the spot. <laughs> he did Paradise Alley in 1979. They're like, you know, that Rocky don't thing. Don't throw kinda, it to stone hands. That's all I'm thinking right now. <laughs> that uh, Rocky uh, thing. That did pretty good. We should see, we should do it again. So it came out in 1979. Rocky two came out. And I'm putting my initials in there, too, because I realize that I have seen it. <clears throat> it was late. And I was tired. Because you have seen him beat Apollo Creed. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the story, Apollo Creed, his reputation took a, a hit because this palooka actually went the distance with him. So, uh, yeah, the, the rematch and the eventual f- first win of the title for Robert Rocky Balboa. Because pretty much the only person that didn't think Apollo Creed was going to wipe the floor with Rocky was Rocky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, the, here's the thing. I think because most people think that – I think most people are mistaking Rocky too for Rocky. Cause that could be. You know, because you, you want to rem- – everybody likes Rocky because he's like that everyman type character. But you want him to win. So you, I guess everybody kind of glosses over in their heads the fact that uh, he lost. Lost the first one, and what a change in the character of Adrian, by the way, from the even in the first film, and then over the course of the the other few that she's a part of, she goes from this mousy, quiet, doesn't say anything, to all of a sudden she's like this, and in this movie especially, you know, as you see her, and, and honestly, and, and it, it kind of sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, you're fine. I was going to say it, it, and not to make it about me or anything, but it's like it, it parallels my own mother's life because she was a very timid, shy wallflower of a woman when she met my father, and. You know, over years of living with my dad, she learned how to like, assert herself and, you know, actually become. A, now she's like this championship you know, boxer. Yeah. <laughs> and when she left my father, she married a boxer. And wait a minute. No. <laughs> but no, not, now she's just this, like, you know, loud, not loud, that's not the right word, but she's very determined, outspoken, strong woman, you know. So. Hmm. Well, Adrian took a shift. I mean, even just in, in the first, from the first half of the second half of the film, I mean, by the third act, she's like full on tough chick almost. Yeah. It's standing up to her brother finally. Yeah, exactly. And it just gets, you know, more so as the movies go on. But so someone who definitely needed standing up to. Right. I mean, he was, you know, Paulie was, was a classic bully, especially to her because she was the only thing that he could bully. Well, and he even talks about that in, in, uh, in Creed about how, you know, he was a, he wasn't a good guy, but he was my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Josh, you are the only one that saw Nighthawks. Yeah, and I just realized that I saw this, and it, it's actually pretty okay. And it's weird because uh, <laughs> in 81, it was pushed forward as a Stallone flick, but it really is almost more of a Billy D. Williams movie. Basically, you've got Stallone as this by-the-book cop, hard-nosed New York cop, and Rutger Hauer as this uh, European terrorist bombing shopping centers during the Christmas season and Stallone and Billy D. Williams are put on a uh, anti-terrorist squad to catch him and uh, they have to basically go outside police procedure in order to manage to apprehend uh, the, the devious criminal. It is a movie that's made in 1981, but looks like it was made in, like, 1972. I actually would recommend this one. Is there anything more 80s than in a movie than a Rutger Hauer villain? Oh, and you should see uh, his – he's got the 1970s glasses and the 1970s beard and mustache in this one. Yeah, like, oh, man. like, Scorp- like uh, Scorpio. Yeah. It, and it's one of the few films where he has like a full on. I think it's the only one. Maybe he's got a full beard. He has mustaches and stuff in the other ones. But I think in uh, Rocky Balboa, he might have had a full beard. But it's the, definitely the first one in the beginning of his career where he was bearded. Yeah. <clears throat> it's always been on a list of things to see. And I, I was one I was trying to get to this week and didn't. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think you would appreciate it. I'm glad that I, I actually took a look and realized that I'd seen this a couple of years ago. Now, okay, now I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I had a confusing about Rutger Hauer, but we're going to keep moving on this. I'll, I'll, I'll talk. I'll tell you about it on the break. <laughs> okay, so 1981, he did Victory, which I'm the only one that's seen that. Um, this is that this everyone remembers as the soccer movie. Oh. Is this like one, the prequel to Alive? Uh, no, oh. not at all. This is one where the... Uh, he plays Robert Hatch, Captain Robert Hatch in this one, and it's one with um, uh, Michael Caine. Oh, Pele was Pele. in this. Yeah, it's a, a team of allied POWs in World War II are supposed to play the German national soccer team. So so you've got French resistance officers are making plans for them to escape, but basically you know, they're, they're forcing these people to, these uh, POWs, to play against the, the Nazi team to show how awesome the Nazis are at one point or another. Uh, it's kind of like the great escape with soccer it in all honesty it's really that, that good. sounds like it's got to make it worse not better no no it's actually really i mean if again you have to take it in the frame of when it is it's got pele in it so you've got some amazing soccer you know like kicks and that sort of thing and they've also got um like i said michael kane back when he was sexy <clears throat> he's not anymore i disagree well that's news to me <laughs> Yeah, and back when back when he was doing you know you know he he when he was shirtless and it was pretty it was okay when oh. he was Alfie yes not uh, Alfred right not Alfred Alfie is the Alfie not the Alfred uh, Maxwin Snydow I mean there's a lot of nameless ones in here but it's a good escape flick I mean it's a lot of fun to watch it's you know again you don't have your you don't have your uh, uh, bar test set too high so but then in that in 1982 Rocky three comes out. So this is one where he's already established as a champion for a couple of years, but Rocky has started to get a little soft. He's got the money. His family's doing well. Polly is still a piece of crap, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's he's got too- a big robot in it. Yeah, he's he's oh, got. Yes. Uh, was the robot in this one, or was it in Rocky no. Four? You're talking about the servant robot. Yeah, was that I Rocky Four? I think that might have been Four. That was later. Yeah, yeah, that was Four. I'm sorry. Um, but in this one, he's doing exhibition matches against wrestlers, the uh, man's man Thunderlips. 
and this uh, their lips. And this boxer, Clubber Lang, comes who has fought his way up from the streets and uh, has earned, kind of done a hard knock story himself. Uh, takes takes him out. Basically, does what he couldn't do to Apollo Creed in the first one, and he kills Mick. Oh, that's right. Was it I Clubber who killed Mick? I guess it's been a while since I saw this. They got into a pre uh, a pre match scuffle, and Mick got thrown to the side. Yeah, that's his, right. With his heart condition, and he went back in the locker room, and that's because Rocky was so distracted thinking about Mick. Clubber Lang just beat the ever living shit out of him. Played by one of Josh's favorite uh, heroes from his youth. I pity the fool. Yeah. Mr. Yeah, Mr. T. Yeah, I, I love this one, especially for the big montage where Rocky goes back to his. It's not the first time that Rocky, uh, you have a Rocky training montage, and not the last time we see him going back to his roots. Right. I, I think the best scene in this entire movie actually is the scene on the beach between Rocky and Adrian, where she kind of confronts him and tells him, you know, you know, and just kind of sets him straight, and he. At the end of it, he's like, would you get so tough? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, no, this isn't the one that we're, it's for where he goes to, like, the cabin in the woods, like, in the That's snow. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They, yeah, sure. four is in Russia. Right. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, four, there are some similar beats in three and four, but I think it's easy to mix up the training montages in a three and four, respectively. Yep. So uh, after this well, one, well, three is is known for where Apollo and and uh, and Rocky partner up. Right. Yeah, they become friends in this one. Yeah, and and Apollo train takes over Mick's place and starts training Rocky. Cool. So then he uh, Sylvester Stallone comes up with a new idea. Reads this book. Writes another. Now he wrote this one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, First Blood, nineteen eighty two. He plays John Rambo. Uh, we skip one. No, Rocky three. No. To First Blood. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 1980. You skipped one. <clears throat> I skipped one. First Blood <laughs> comes out. Now, again, I hadn't seen this in a long time. And in my head, I was confused because I was thinking this was First Blood Part 2. You were thinking uh, you were thinking the second one. Yeah, because I'm uh, like, what about the scene where he's got the, oh, he's finally got the huge gun. Oh, he's going to do the scene where he comes up out of the water. Uh, no, it's this one, again. And it's he had the huge you, gun, but yeah, he got that near, you know, but at the end, yeah, but it was not what I was expecting. Uh, not what I remembered. I, uh, you know, you think Rambo, you're thinking running through the jungle, throwing grenades. This, this is very much got the Mad Max syndrome to it. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it would have been solved if he had just opened his goddamn mouth at the beginning of the movie. Well, I mean, a lot of it is he is an anti-hero. It's almost like Taxi Driver, where he's a broken guy whose society is rejected. And while you identify with him, you don't necessarily want him to win Mm -hmm. because he's kind of – I mean, he's obviously dangerous even though he doesn't actually kill anyone in First Blood. I would disagree. That if he killed somebody? He killed a lot of people in First Blood. In First Blood? No. That's in the trivia. No, not in the first movie. No. In First Blood, uh, the only person who dies is someone who falls out of the helicopter. And he was a dipshit anyway. He set traps all over the place. Yes, but uh, absolutely none of them were killed. Yeah, he didn't kill anybody. He had that one guy strung up by his neck. I mean, he caught him and would tie him up. You know, in ways that they couldn't get out. I'm I'm finding it for you, Joel. Hold on. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to remember because I thought there was a trap that had like uh, spikes on yeah, it. Yeah, that, that only got the guy in the jimmies. All right, I'm pa- I'm posting okay. a graph in the chat that's a link huh. to. Yeah, well, and I just watched kills. it literally like you made a graph a couple days ago. I didn't make it, oh. but there is a graph. 
Rambo 1, 2, 3, and 4 body count comparison. I'm guessing it goes up pretty high right after 1, huh? Yeah. I would it think goes so. It 1, 1, 12, 33, 83. Jesus. <laughs> right. And the 1 was the guy who fell out of the helicopter if you don't count the three dogs. Everybody else in First Blood survived. Huh. See, and I, I, I literally just watched it, and I even I bought into that. Not <laughs> Made assumptions. Yeah, right, exactly. And I mean, I... And well, and you think about uh, Colonel Troutman and and the whole speech he gives about you know He's how fast like a Billy Goat puke. Yeah, and he goes into the long speech and and you see all the stuff and and it it, it feels like that, but yeah. You know okay. what part I like is the time at which the first person is killed. First Blood twenty nine minutes. First Blood Part two thirty three minutes. Rambo three forty one minutes. Rambo four three minutes. <laughs> like, well, at that point, yeah, Rambo four was all about the killing. Yeah. So, no, this one, <clears throat> here's a little bit of trivia about this. The piece of rotten canvas that Rambo finds in the woods and cuts into a coat was, in fact, not a prop, but they found it laying out there in the forest, and the film crew threw it into the set. Uh, since there was only one piece, still Sylvester Stallone joked about how that became the most treasured prop on the set. After filming ended, he kept it and still has it in his possession to this day. Wow. Yeah. And it's got to smell real out. bad. Yeah, that's got to be in a box somewhere, because there's no way <laughs> Or in a room on its own. But no, I like this. I mean, it was it was not what I thought it was. Um, you get to see David Caruso when he was uh, four years old. Davy Caruso. Davy, Davy Caruso. <laughs> I don't think we should be fighting this Rambo guy. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's it's not what you thought it was. I mean, it's you think it's this him saving the day type of thing. And it's a story about a man who is, at the, again, at the end of his rope and broken. And just him having to deal with being in, uh, interacting with everyday people. I mean, it's honestly the, the parts of it where he actually talked. Because it's like he doesn't really have much dialogue to the middle of the movie. The very beginning with him talking to his friend's mom or whoever it was at the house. Yeah. It was, you know, he, it was really good. It was very genuine. You know, the whole, the whole conversation, you know what, I, I was friends with him. Here, look at it. Here's, a, here's the address. You can see it's his handwriting. And, you know, like, here, the, I knew this guy. Here, here's a picture of me and him. You know, he really seems like this genuine guy who just wants to find an old friend. And then at the very end, I've heard rumor that his ending scene was ad-libbed with the pieces of Johnny all over me type of thing. And he can't go because his legs are missing type of thing. I, I heard he ad-libbed that. I heard that was all off the cuff. But I don't know any kind of confirmation on that. Well, I know that the book was optioned pretty early on. And the studio wanted to have De Niro or Eastwood or uh, Paul Newman play Rambo. And, like, it just couldn't get made for one reason or another. And when Stallone wanted to rewrite it uh, and play the lead, it finally got made. And originally the ending was going to match up with the book where uh, Troutman would actually kill Rambo. And that ending was actually filmed. And it just both screen tested very poorly. And uh, they wanted to leave it open for a sequel, which is actually why Kirk Douglas wasn't in this film. He was originally cast uh, as Troutman. And he was so set on the ending where Troutman kills Rambo that he basically said, either we do my ending or I walk. And they said, OK, uh, see ya. And uh, Krenna ended up having to uh, accept the role the Friday before filming began. And uh, he's the only person besides Stallone to continue to play throughout all the films as uh, Colonel Troutman. I was going to say, he continued on throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. And he does a good job, too. Well, and it's, it's a bit dated in terms of the themes. So people who maybe, you know, weren't around at that time may not understand some of the, the context behind it. But mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it, everybody gets the being pushed too far and the whole backwoods county sheriff trying to, you know, swag it, swing his nuts around. Yeah, but at the time it was pretty out there to take a Vietnam vet and have him fight cops. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's just it. And that's where I think some people might get lost a little bit on it. Kind of like we talked about with Easy Rider where, you know, if you're not part and didn't watch it at the time, it may not have the same meaning. All right. So solid, after, solid film. After that, he's in Staying Alive. Is this is this what I think it is? It's a sequel yeah. to Saturday Night Fever. Okay. Yeah, it's. Not. I mean, it's, it's like a like a brief cameo type thing. Yeah, he's no. he's uncredited on it too. Yeah, then he does major. Patrick's favorite movie, Rhinestone. Rhinestone. If you want to hear Sylvester Stallone sing country music, watch Rhinestone. Otherwise, you know what? <laughs> Scratch that. Don't watch Rhinestone. <laughs> Note to self. Don't. For any reason, don't watch Rhinestone. It's really bad. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is playing a major country star, and uh, Sylvester Stallone is a taxi driver, and she t- has a bet with somebody that she can't take him and turn him into a country star. And she loses. Oh, well, they somehow, script-wise, make it to where it's not a complete loss, and it's just... It's a shit storm. Don't watch it. <laughs> they All make right. it so it's not a complete loss. <clears throat> yeah. So he gets like a variety show or something. <laughs> he so, ends up on a reality show. You know, right. With Vern Troyer. All right. So then after that, we got uh, First Blood Part 2, a mere three years after First Blood. Uh, this is one that everyone remembers seeing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, it starts out with uh, John Rambo in a prison, breaking stones. Troutman shows up. You don't want to be here. I got a job for you. Uh, they meet him, take him out to meet uh, Charles Napier. And uh, it goes from there. Yeah, we're going to drop yeah. you back into where they tortured you. And uh, you got to help get some of the guys out. So You know by the time he's first introduced to the guy who trained Johnny in the Karate Kid, it's like these guys are going to turn on him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of a given. Uh, I, I think what's interesting about this one is uh, you hear the two writers. You got James Cameron and Sylvester Stallone. One uh, wrote all of the action and the other wrote all the politics. And some people might assume, but it was actually Stallone who wrote all the politics. And then, of course, James Cameron, who we know now, action is his thing. Yep. Blue action is his thing. Well, it is now. All right. So... I liked it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, that's, oh yeah, it's, it's an action '80s action movie. Right. I mean, yeah, you it has some ridiculous stuff when you get to like the exploding arrows blowing up uh, bridges and armies. But, Wait, what, you are know, you, what are you trying to say? I I will shoot at a bridge right now with an exploding arrow and blow it up and show you that it could be done. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to pause right here, and we're going to wait for this to happen. You know, I'll tell you all, anytime I see Charles Napier, I just automatically assume he's going to turn on me at one point. That's fair. I mean, we went out to lunch the other day, and halfway through, he's like, <laughs> fuck you, I'm out of here. He like, left, stuck you with a check. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, should have saw that coming. And then all he right. blew up the bridge with an arrow so you couldn't leave the restaurant. <laughs> Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the guy. So after this, he does Cobra. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. You skipped uh, one. Then. I skipped one this time. Rocky a, a really important one, too. Rocky Four. <clears throat> oh, man. I must break you. Cool. I love Rocky Four. Aside from the original Rocky, Rocky Four is my favorite. Oh, really? It's so cheesy. Really? It's also got the second best movie soundtrack I've got in my collection. Wow. I just, yeah. Yeah, Rocky Four has got some good music. Yeah, and you've got that uh, big scene with the exhibition match with Apollo Creed, and he's coming down, and the Uncle Sam. Well, he's coming down to living in America. Yeah, <laughs> you got the James. Uh, yeah, there is the whole big James Brown musical number. Uh, uh. 
Nice I mean, he had, that, that character had such charisma, Apollo Creed. That's why it was fun to watch him. Uh, so rough to see him die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just get pummeled by this giant Russian machine. I'm looking up the soundtrack for this one because you guys said it was so awesome. It's got Eye of the Tiger, yeah. One Way Street, Double or Nothing, Living in America, No Easy Way Out, Burning Heart by Survivor. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then the Chipmunk song. The Chipmunk song. Chipmunk song. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky, it's here. <laughs> Wanna fight that guy and drink beer? Dude. I don't know why there's a Rocky or a, a well, Chipmunk song. I could say the Chipmunk song was not on the official cassette soundtrack because this okay. was one I I owned. Okay, so <laughs> they replaced. You it haven't with seen Rocky Four, Mike? No. Wow. Oh, dude, you have to. You should see it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to drop. They had in such on. a hard time filming the the boxing scenes because Sylvester Stallone is about five foot eight and Dolph Lundgren is six foot five. It's hard, kind of hard to box and move while you're on stilts then? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you know, Ivan Drago was supposed to be a, a giant behemoth, but not. But you don't want to make Sylvester Stallone look that small. Yeah, yeah. he's like, you he said he's like 5'4". He's 5'8". 5'8", oh, okay. Which is actually pretty tall for Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Right, considering Tom Cruise. Or- yeah, towers over Tom Cruise. <laughs> he's shorter hey. than Suzanne. Speaking of chipmunks. Um, what? <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were talking about. What would you call it? It's fun. You call I mean, my it, wife it, a chipmunk. It, it falls Rocky to a, Ford's a very, very pro-America. You know, middle of the Cold War. It's eighties. It's totally that whole yeah mid eighties Reagan era everything. Very American. That is eighties schmaltz to the to the hilt. Yes. Yes. All it right. was also the highest grossing film in the entire series. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And that's just it because it it paid it bought into that whole thing and just played it up. I mean, if you want to see a segment of of the mid-80s, just watch Rocky IV and you don't need to watch any other film. And, and, and this was kind of the, the beginning of the America movement, you know? <laughs> yeah. Where you just uh, trade flags on everything. You also had uh, Apollo Creek. Carl Weathers nearly walked off the set. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. When and, uh, Dolph Lundgren tossed him into the corner of the boxing ring, Weathers lost his shit and started screaming profanities at him, uh, left the ring, and announced that he was calling his agent and quitting the movie. Damn. Stallone had to have a sit down after a four day work stoppage to talk Weathers back into the part and uh, talk Dolph Lundgren into toning down his aggressiveness. Right. It's fun. You should watch it, Mike. I will. I will. Put it on my list. All right. So then after that, Cobra. Uh, I love Cobra. Speaking of 80s, 80s uh, action movies, this one is... <clears throat> it is It is such so. an 80s movie, yeah. Well, you guys know how this one came about, right? With the matchstick in his mouth, right? Well, he wanted to be the lead in Beverly Hills Cop, but wanted to remove all the comedy from it. And uh, they decided to go a different direction, obviously. And uh, he took that idea, and this is the movie he wanted to make when he was considered for the lead for Beverly Hills Cop. This is quite different than Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, it really <laughs> is. He put a banana in his throat. <laughs> All right. Going so after a cult. After you're a disease, and I'm the cure. After that, we come to oh Over the Top. Oh, my God. Over the top. The best movie on this entire list. No. You know, I watched the documentary about Canon Films, and Canon Films was in the shitter at this point. So they had signed a deal with Stallone, basically forfeited everything so they could pay him the salary that he was asking for so they could put him in a movie to kind of – and this movie saved the company, basically. But Stallone, from what I hear – was not a fan of that fact. This is so bad. You've basically got an after-school special with arm wrestling scenes randomly in the middle of it until the end where you have this arm wrestling competition, but 
it seriously reminded me of something you'd come home at like three o'clock and see on ABC. This this movie is all the kinds of cheese that I appreciate. It's it's it just it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it takes itself seriously enough that it makes it funny because that kid is trying so hard to act his ass off, and he's so bad. It's and a little kid's power fantasy. The music is so horrible. <laughs> the music is just so generically some coked out of his mind studio music, musician was like, yeah, whatever, I'll crank out some shit for you. <laughs> Watch the closing credits and the guy's like, you gotta be over the top. <laughs> well, that guy, I, I'm pretty sure that's Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They because that's done by Asia. Over the top. But <laughs> the, just... uh, the lead singer of Asia was not considered growly enough, so they had Asia play uh, the music, but had Sammy Hagar sing over the top. Oh my God, Frank Stallone sang in this. Oh, oh yeah, there's so like, many of these. Like oh. in America, we <laughs> like guns and trucks and Jesus. Well, and it's ironic that the truck that he wins at the end of the movie happens to have a hawk on the side, isn't it? Because Lincoln Hawk. Well, exactly. and in the competition, they're offering a truck as the top prize, even though there's only two truckers in the entire competition, and yeah, they're well, in the finals. <laughs> Yeah. And the guys that he fights are could have easily have stomped him just looking at the sheer size of him. But he does that thing with his hand and technique. With, oh man! And, and don't forget, he's got he, he turns his hat backwards because why, Pat? Because it's like I turn on a machine. <laughs> Get a six pack of beer, some <laughs> chips, sit down and watch it. And you're I'm probably, thinking I may need more than just six on this. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pack. All right, it's a, it's, a, it's a stupid fun movie. It's just so ridiculously. I mean, the man has workout. He he has a Nautilus equipment in his truck, in the cab of his truck. How so to work out while he's driving? He's driving basically the truck that Jeepers Creepers drives. <laughs> oh my god! Before he sells it, and then Jeepers Creepers buys it. All right, so. I stick around for the scene where the kid rips the sleeves off of his <laughs> his military jacket. Off of his military jacket, just to show how he's in solidarity <laughs> with his dad. It's fucking so, awesome. It's so bad. So anyway, after this, Rambo three. Talk about more exploding well, arrows. But over the top. It's also got Robert Loja. Okay, <laughs> we're done with over the top. Yeah, Rock- Rambo three completes the transition from like gritty anti-hero to just like ridiculous action. Let's just kill some shit right before yeah. it turns into a cartoon. Pretty Gives much. itself like a, the fl- the flimsy premise so that he we can just release Rambo, and then it does turn into an actual cartoon with action figures. That does blow my mind. That you know, especially after watching uh, First Blood, and you're like, okay, First Blood Rambo, then you watch it's like, how the hell would this become a cartoon? It's like RoboCop. Same thing happened. Yeah. Or Police Academy. Same thing happened. What? It was a different time. Um, I, I don't think I'd put Police Academy in the same thing as First Well, Blood, but, but that's got boobies and swearing and drug use, and then it became a cartoon later with action figures. All right. So after that, nobody's seen Lockup? I wanted to. Sounds good. Uh, maybe I saw this one. I, not recently enough to talk about it, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of these where I have seen it, but I, I couldn't tell you much about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with him. I think I've seen that's... this, but I, I don't recall it well enough to to chat. But Tango and Cash. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's the perfect storm. <laughs> it's so bad and so good at the same time. It is. A Kurt Russell. I don't like this movie. I think what? we've had this discussion. How? how okay. What? Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell. How can you not be in with just that? And then once you toss Terry Hatcher and Jack Palance in. And a monster truck. 
I've only seen this once, and I remember not liking it. It's I not- remember you actually were in a Star, a, a Shadowrun game based on Tango and Cash. It was you and Matt Brown. Yep. And I think you were you were playing uh, the cop vaguely based on Tango, the by the books. I remember that because remember the two and, of Matt, and it, Matt's character, his solution to everything was to beat it up. Yeah, the two of you was, would take a shower and come out naked to play, just like in <laughs> Tango and Cash. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's a no, great movie. It is. It's again. It's not. It's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. Plus Terry Hatcher, yeah. oh. Jack Palance. Oh. <laughs> so after this, nineteen ninety, Rocky Five. Boy, oof. Yeah, I've seen this one, but I, I don't like. This is one of the ones that I don't remember quite so well. This is yeah. where he's like finds his kid and. He's well, like, okay, it, it starts off where they, you know, Rocky's got the the great life, and he's talking to his kid about how you know he's got all the advantages he didn't have, and then uh, they they do this flimsy premise where they lose all their money because the accountant bilks them for millions or whatever, and so they got to go back and live back in the old neighborhood, and his kid's got to try to live the tough life like he did, and he can't hack it, and. So it's like this whole thing where like his son is all conflicted, and then suddenly he finds this other boxer named Tommy Gunn, and he takes him under his wing, and he kind of abandons his son for Tommy Gunn, who ends up turning on him, and they end up having a street fight. Tommy Morrison, Kansas City native and uh, proud AIDS spreader. AIDS sufferer. Awesome. <laughs> so after that, he does Oscar, which... He plays... I, I uh, had never seen alone. this, and everybody kept saying, I need, you need to watch this. Everybody I talked to was like, okay, why, why haven't you watched this yet? It is, I was, it's really, really, really fun. I mean, if it, it definitely is a stage play, which is what it's based off of. You can tell, but excellent cast, a lot of fun, really witty, quick dialogue, and Stallone is on point. I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed with it. It's a very funny movie. That's oh, why I, I told actually you saw you needed this to see it. Yeah, that's why I told you you needed to see it, because it's a really good comedic turn by him in this. And it was a nice breakup to all the other action movies. It's if you've never seen it before, it's it's well worth your time. If I recall, though, it bombed hard at the box office. Yeah, because people didn't want to see him in a comedy. I mean, that, that's really. I mean, we saw it in the theater. My family and I and, and my parents loved it, and they had you know they have it on DVD and everything. Yeah, well, the early '90s is the beginning of kind of the low point in his career. Yeah, well, and, and it that, is based on a stage play, and it's very obvious when you watch it. So if you don't like that style. Uh, then it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily hold up the same way as if you saw it. You're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, and then it's really good though. If you like the Marx Brothers, it's kind of in that vein. And then after that, he jumps into "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot." Speaking of low points, yes, this the- is Estelle Getty <laughs> and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. With I will uh, never understand her appeal. Estelle Getty, yeah, or Sylvester Stallone. I mean, it's the same appeal as like the cranky old lady on the uh, greeting cards. Yeah, like yeah. stuff stuff your grandma or mother would like from a garage sale. It's that sort of humor. Yeah. That's edgy. <laughs> I'm just gonna say if you thought if you if you're put off on the idea of Oscar, don't even go near this. This is the most it it's steaming. Oh, Errol yeah, Day. it's cheesy. It's bad. <laughs> it's terrible. I never bothered to see it. Fair enough. Yeah, I will stay Pat, away. Pat did see Cliffhanger. I, 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 I'm not sure you would dislike it, Joel, but it's not good. It <laughs> would probably be fun. Just on a, yeah. I got nothing. What, a, what a very telling and true statement for yeah, Joel. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think you would appreciate it for what it was, but it would probably be one of these where 
It's like, I'm glad I saw it, but yeah, probably not so great. Watch, Fun. I'll come back next week, I'll watch it, and I'll be like, dude, that is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Cliffhanger. Speaking Cliffhanger. of John Lithgow, what a turd. Not yeah. John Lithgow, but the movie. If you're, if you're looking for um, some really good uh, climbing action in your movies, <laughs> then definitely see Cliffhanger. Watch this in Vertical Limit in one night, and you'll commit suicide the next day. Yeah, yeah this is another... Cliffhanger big- was a movie I saw. <laughs> Not good. But Demolition Man, John Spartan. Was not a movie I saw. Really? You, you, how could you have not seen Demolition Man? You don't know how to use the three shells? <laughs> I had no desire to see Dennis Rodman oh, in a movie. Dennis Rodman. Isn't he in this? Nope. Wesley Snipes looking Wesley like Snipes. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Playing like, Dennis Rodman. Like you and I are talking about different movies, man. Well, I, th- he could be I forgiven. I it anyway. He could Sorry. be forgiven for uh, uh, thinking that Wesley Snipes was actually Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I'm looking at the poster. You could you could make that mistake, but this is so cheap. Because yeah, it was right after Dennis Rodman had made a movie, so I thought he was on a kick. I was like, nope, not going to see that. No, Double yeah. Trouble, wasn't that the movie he made? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. no, this I'm going to be honest about this one. I hate it. What? Yep. Uh, I can't. I'm not really a fan either. It's just a giant product placement. That's why I love about it. It's so incredibly blatant. On, I mean, the, when Taco Bell was the winner of the fast food wars. And that was funny. And the bit about the three shells is funny. But I think part of the problem is, is Stallone is the only person that doesn't put out just a cringingly awful subpar performance. Snipes was bad. Sandra Bullock was bad. Even Dennis Leary was bad. Okay, now I need to watch it again. Yeah, you do. All right. Now I feel <laughs> now I feel just for ha- not having seen this. Well, like Dennis Leary's big scene is just this weird random rant that could have been pulled out of any of his stand-up bits and it's just awkward and trying too hard to be edgy. Mm. Yeah, it's like randomly just shoved in there. There's no other there's no context if I remember right. It was mm-hmm. bizarre. Well, Pat has seen The Specialist though. That was a movie I saw. Excellent. No, another movie that we saw. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was, he was a bomb guy, and he was trying. He had to protect some woman. I think it was Sharon Stone. Stone. Yeah, yeah. And oh. it was. I, I saw it in the theater, thinking it was going to be something good, and it was just really random, average nothingness. So, so uh, nothing worth remembering. I mean, there was a hot shower scene, and yeah, well, Sharon Stone. So, but yeah, it's got Eric Roberts in it. Yeah, it just was. You're not I don't know, selling it. Was a, it was a nothing movie. It re- but what about Judge Dredd, 1995? <sighs> Jesus, sweet baby Christ, mother freaking record. <sighs> All right, so Joel has some definite opinions on this. <laughs> I, I, I have a, a a huge love for Judge Dredd, which has grown since I started rereading the entire series from the first issue. And this was what was this is everything that's wrong with Hollywood because they took one thing and they turned it into something else and threw in a goofy sidekick and it just it fails on every single level because Judge Dredd the whole point of the comic is he never takes his helmet off mm-hmm. and in this movie he wears the helmet about ten percent of the movie. Well, you're never going to make a movie where Stallone doesn't show his face. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the problem. And right, and you don't Carl, cast don't cast a star in a role like that. Well, when Carl Urban redid it or remade his own take on it, which was the right way he didn't take the helmet off ever and and that's just a small gripe but the whole movie is just it's bad anyway but that just adds to it just the fact that they just pissed all over the comic series i I saw this for the first time yesterday really and oh my god it was worse than i thought it could possibly have been 
And that's saying mm-hmm. something because we've seen some shit movies. Well, I, I was annoyed by Rob Schneider enough in the trailers that I didn't want to see this. And I did not realize how much screen time Rob Schneider got in this film. He is huge in this. He's really the main character. It could be argued because yep. it starts with him. And uh, Stallone's bad. Armand Asante is chewing the scenery. Uh, Diane Lane's okay. All right. Uh, don't watch it unless you want to watch Diane Lane. Watch the Diane Lane cut. <laughs> so after that, he does Assassins. I just watched this one. I didn't think it was that bad. It was standard action fare. Uh, he's a a uh, ex, well, not ex, but he's an assassin. And there's a new upstart. He's supposed to be the best on the block after taking out his predecessor, his mentor. Uh, new guy on the block, uh, Antonio Banderas, right? Yep. 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 Uh, playing the new psychotic uh, with his hair in front of his eyes type of nutcase that he played back in the day. Um. It's it's an action flick. Written written by the Wachowski siblings. Yeah. Before the Matrix. Before the it, Matrix, Wachowski, and uh directed by um guy who did Goonies. Richard Donner. Richard Donner. So it's got a good pedigree and Julianne Moore's in it and she's always uh, fun to watch. Yeah. It's not bad. It's it's for for the the string of movies we just talked about. It's it's better than some of the other ones we talked about. I, I thought it was pretty terrible. I mean, it wasn't good, but it wasn't you know it wasn't Judge Dredd. Yeah, it wasn't Judge Dredd. Or the uh, it is definitely not the worst film that we've talked about in this first half. That's yeah. about all I can say for it. It's a, it's a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when you got nothing else to do and you're sitting on the couch kind of thing. Which is exactly when I watched it. So exactly. Uh, Nineteen ninety six daylight. Josh and Pat have seen this. I saw it. Well, then why don't you write it in? I did. I'm, I didn't I'm, write it oh. in because I, I think I have seen it, but this was another one I didn't want to be called on for. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this was at the time when the, the the blockbuster started happening, the summer blockbusters, and it's kind of in that vein. It's got a decent-sized cast with a lot of names, and it's big budget. I enjoyed it, personally. I saw it when it came out. I haven't seen it since then. But I, Same I, here. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember liking it. It was a fun little, you know... Summer action kind of romp about a bunch of people that get trapped underground and they have to find their way, you know, up into daylight. Yeah, this was another one that was panned and bombed at the theater, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was it was just. It's got Amy Brenneman in it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that's 1996. We're taking a little bit of an early break on the uh, the movies right now. We're going to break after daylight and pick up after the break with uh, 1997's Copland. Yeah, I think the, one of the reasons instead of taking our typical break at 2000 is we're pretty much at the bottom of his career. He's had a string of bombs. Uh, people are calling it over. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a look at Copland, which I would say is a spot where he starts to turn it around. Yep. All right. We'll, we'll find out why after the break. All right, everybody, we are back and uh, still talking about Stallone. We are picking up at Copland. I am the only one who has not seen Copland. Oh, man, you really need to. This is, uh, aside from Rocky and maybe a couple of others, this might be my top two or three favorite Stallone films of all time. Really? Really? Wow. I mean, the fact is, is a lot of people, like if you didn't delve into his history on the Internet, had this perception of him that he wasn't a very good actor, not very bright. And then you look at Copland where he decides he's going to take a different, all of his big action films are panning. His break into comedy isn't working. So he puts on like 30, 40 pounds and gets in this little 
almost indie film that's got an incredible cast where all of the actors worked for scale. Like they all wanted to be in this so bad that uh, none of them got paid what they typically command for a film. And that's Andy a, for a mustache. Well, and it's a heavy duty uh, crowd there too because it's Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, yep. Janine Garofalo, and Michael Rappaport. And uh, that's not a big name now, but in 1997, Rappaport was still like in the throes of his career. Well, and it's kind of an up and comer still at that point, even. Yeah. And uh, Copland, basically, uh, you've got uh, this overweight sheriff of a little town in New Jersey where most of the New York cops live. He's deaf in one ear and kind of like, yeah, yeah, you're in charge here. Kind of a laughing stock, uh, almost treated like he's, uh, I don't know, mentally he's like handicapped. A, he's like a figurehead. He's just there for show. He has no power. Nobody really. He's just there. He's a, he's the cop. And, then, and, all these, and all these cops have the attitude, you know, you're not a real cop. You're not going to tell us what to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, we run this town, not you. And Michael Rappaport's character is the up-and-coming star hotshot cop. He's son of uh, Kari Keitel's uh, character or nephew or something. And he goes on – he makes a mistake and kills somebody. And Robert De Niro is an internal internal affairs investigator who comes to the town where they all live after the big plan to get Rappaport's character out of trouble is he's going to fake his own suicide. Instead, he's hiding in Copland. Hmm. And you've basically got this mystery where – uh, Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro are I- in the middle of this crazy, corrupt little town in New Jersey full of uh, dirty New York cops. Yeah, it's it's really a slow burn, non, non-action. I mean, there's a little bit of action towards the end, but overall, it's it's a drama. It's just a straight-up drama. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and for him, I think it was a smart move because he saw where things were headed and decided to take a hold of things and try and turn it around. Honestly, if Ray Liotta hadn't gone a little too far, like in terms of scenery chewing, this might have been considered like a classic drama. Uh, good performances from everybody except Liotta, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. And, and just a really well-written script. Just a pretty, mm-hmm. It's a good movie overall. I will have to check that out then. Yes. yes. Stallone <clears throat> spent a weeks eating pancakes to put on uh, all the extra weight mm-hmm. for this. And even then he looks better than a lot of people that are... <laughs> Would would you like to see Stallone eating pancakes? Let's see George Wen eat beans. They also had to call uh, De Niro back in for reshoots. And there's a weird scene where De Niro's mustache is double the length that it was in the rest of the movie. It's because they called him back for reshoots in the middle of him shooting Jackie Brown. Oh. And he couldn't shave the mustache. Wow. Oh. So, I thought okay. he just was that manly. <laughs> so after that, he uh, plays himself in an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. And uh, after that, uh, 97, 97, uh, The Good Life, another movie that none of us have seen. Uh, doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. <laughs> uh, after that, he starts, gets into, into uh, animation. He stars as Weaver, voice of Weaver in Ants, which was the, uh, the what's the... The DreamWorks knockoff yeah. of Bugs Life. Yeah. I was just, the only thing I can think of, what is not Pixar? It was DreamWorks. before DreamWorks got to be an actual competition for Pixar. Yeah. Can you imagine if you could, if you could go back in time to 1976 and tell Sylvester Stallone, "Hey, someday you're going to be doing voice acting as an ant, as an ant with with, with that voice, you're going to be Woody doing Allen. voice acting. You're yeah. going to do a movie with Woody Allen as a, as a cartoon. Yeah. What, what are you talking about?" <laughs> 
Ants, all of us have seen it. It was definitely, hey, you're making a movie about bugs. We should make a movie about bugs, too. Yeah. It was the lesser of the two movies about bugs. Yeah. Three movies, because there was also uh, a bee's life, or the bee movie. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. That was later, dude. Yeah. No, that was right around the same time, I think. No, that was in the 2000s. That was Jerry Seinfeld. All right. Okay. So, uh, but in 2000, uh, to parallel the release of the bee movie, uh, Stallone does Get Carter. Which just looks like something I want to see. I think it is. Like, if you've seen, uh, uh, there's one with uh, Mel Gibson that's kind of similar where he plays a character called Porter. Payback. Payback. I mean, yeah. they're not the same character, but they're the same kind of, like, anti-hero uh, is on a quest for vengeance. It's a remake yeah. of a Michael Caine film, isn't it? Yep. It's it's not bad. I mean, I think it's where Stallone was like, okay, I'm going to try seeing if the action thing still works, but keep it dramatic. Because it's not like a full-on action movie, but it's also – it's kind of walking that line. It's it's not bad. It's worth well, watching. And he's yeah. starting to transition into his I've been doing this a while grizzled older guy coming back uh, kind of punching above his weight class because of his age. Mm-hmm. This would be kind of the turning point into that sort of film that we see. That's what his career's turned into now. Right. Kind of, kind of getting into those self-reflective roles. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. So then after that, he does Driven, which only Joel has seen. It's a Rennie Harlan joint. It's about uh, Formula One race car drivers. I enjoyed it. I actually own it. Um, it's fun if you want to watch a, a straight up action movie about race cars. It's a very shiny it. movie. Yeah. It's it's fun. Okay. I see you. Now, Joel, you've been going on about this on the chat. Uh, Me? I don't think I've ever mentioned this movie before. I saw it when it was streaming and I regretted it. It's uh, <laughs> no, what, it's what, his. What? It's about a, a group of guys that are, are in this like I, I don't know this this they're all together in one place and they're kind of locked in and there there's a, a one of them is a, like a serial killer and uh, it's maybe it's like a prison thing and he's trying to figure out who did it and it's just it's just bad it's kind of like his his foray into a bit of the horror genre sort of but I never need to see it again it was terrible oh well, sometimes it's high praise from you. <laughs> no, not in this case. <laughs> uh, and then he does something called Avenging Angelo, with no, which nobody has seen. Um, him with Madeline Stowe yeah. well, involving the mafia. So Patrick has seen Shade. It's a poker movie where Sly Stallone plays the most famous card cheat of all time, and it's just as bad as that sounds. <laughs> well, yeah, this, there was a bunch of poker movies. This was when the poker movie was like a thing in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. It's not a good one. <laughs> no. This was one of the first ones. It was the early Poker Boom type movie, and this was before the general public knew at least some basics about poker, and this and this one, they just were allowed to do whatever they wanted because nobody knew that they were wrong about certain things, and the movie's just awful. Don't so watch like it. the Rounders era, like that sort of thing? Yeah, Rounders was late 90s, and this was still continuing on that. Hmm. And 2003 is actually the year that the poker booms, the biggest of the poker booms started, so this movie got some some press for that, but... Other than that, it's just, don't watch it. Bad movie. All right. So then, uh, <laughs> Joel, you and I have seen Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Well, we have kids of the right age, so we have an excuse. But uh... in this one, Stallone plays the toy maker. He is the guy who has invented a gigantic worldwide MMO and is capturing the minds of children to turn them to his own nefarious uh, ways. It's Robert Rodriguez. It's big and it's funny. It does what it's supposed to do. It's a 
It's a and, kids movie, and they've got everybody from Salma Hayek to Mike Judge. Uh, God, yeah, I forgot about Mike Judge. Antonio Banderas plays the dad. You've got um, I just Finch. I mean it's one of those I don't know how they got so many people. Ricardo well, Montalban. It's it's Rodriguez, and he he has a, a a big network of people that he works with on a regular basis that like him, and so he called in all of them, and they wanted to be a part of it. I mean, you know, and you got Danny Trejo still okay. portraying Machete for. How many times now? Yeah. Tony Shalhoub with all these hands stuck to his head. Well, and that's that's a throwback to the first film. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, every but in this one, the 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 best thing about Stallone's performance in this has got to be the fact that he has three parts of his head that are talking to himself because he's in this virtual world. And he's he's got like this hippie, long haired, wearing a peace symbol type character. Uh, he also has the the one, the general. And what was the other one? The hippie, the general and I don't remember remember. now. I was drunk when I took him to see it, too, so... (laughs) Anyway, it's Stallone definitely getting out of his normal everyday stuff, so... It's movie. So Uh, the next two are pretty much a return back to the things that made him famous. Comes to see Uh, Rocky Balboa. Yeah, Rocky Balboa in 2008's Rambo. I saw both of these in the theater with my father, and we both enjoyed them very much. My dad was always a, you know, he was always a Stallone fan. So, and, you know, and he was aging himself. So it was kind of interesting for him to watch a movie about, you know, somebody that he kind of idolized also confronting aging as well. These are honestly just two good movies. What I mean, Rambo was a little bit ridiculous, but Rocky Balboa was a very good movie. I, I was really impressed with it. Well, it, it took it back to... Kind of the, or to the original formula from the first film where it's more of a drama with some fighting okay. and it proves again that he can act I mean it's it's just a really solid film and Rambo would stand against a lot of the action movies of the day I mean it, it's just full on no holds barred blood and guts but it has a decent storyline to it you know kind of rehashing the character but taking him pulling him a little back from the explosion just some extreme violence man like yeah come, coming up with a knife and just just literally in one swipe just decapitating a man like jesus well, taking a guy's head off with a 50 caliber yeah <laughs> machine gun i mean it's but it's it's awesome though you love it you like it's, it's like a, a taliban training video like i'm a 16 year old kid again i mean when you watch it you're like Dude, yeah, exactly because yeah, i mean i remember watching the theater and just going oh my god like what because <laughs> it's just such an over the top ah, ah. over the top bloodbath fest it's it's, it's fun. good it's worth watching for sure all right then he did something called Kakam Kakambak Ashik about an Indian. That was man. definitely the right choice putting yeah. that in there just for that. Kambak Ashik. <laughs> I don't even know. He pl- he plays himself. Let's keep moving. That yeah, it, it was a Bollywood flick where they uh, threw a bunch of money at him. Okay, that's it. <clears throat> and then 2010, he's like, "Hey guys, you gonna want to make a movie?" And he did The Expendables. Oh man. <laughs> well, okay. Now, okay, Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Randy Couture, Steve Austin, who else? Terry Crews. Terry Crews, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis. It's like he got all the Arnold. Guys, kind of. Yeah, and a that cameo. Like, yeah, he had a cameo. Well, You're going to mention Bruce Willis. Well, Bruce Willis was Mr. He Church. He's there. He's there, uh, Mr. Johnson. Yes. So, uh, exactly what you'd expect. A bunch it, of old guys getting back into the action movies, and it again where the bar is set. If you look at this and say, "Wow, that's got to be incredible, incredibly bad," it's not great, but it is so much fun to watch. You and I, oh, I it together, disagree man. that it's not great. I think this movie's awesome. 
Well, I'm not saying it's not awesome. I'm just saying, I mean, in the way of like a, being a well-written movie, I don't it's, know. It's 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 by the book. It's exactly what you know, A to B to C to D. You know, this guy's going to betray us, that sort of thing. But this movie is not going to win awards for screenplay, is what you're saying? Exactly. Sure. Every kid who grew up in the '80s fantasy football movie. Right. It's like when you used to take all of your G.I. Joes and Rambo and everything and you put them in and you made stories with them. It's a parody that doesn't uh, like sabotage itself or apologize for being what it is. That's one thing I keep going back to is like it's okay to lampoon a classic genre so long as you don't apologize and say, oh, yeah, we know this is stupid. It's like, no, we know this is awesome and we're going to follow the formula and uh, I, I think that what's great is they take all these classic action stars and the uh, one MMA fighter and the one guy who is neither of those is Terry Crews, who's got to be one of the most charismatic, funny, strong men like oh, in the business. Hilarious. Yeah, he is a riot. Um, but no, now I mean, that Andre the Giant is gone. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's exactly what you expect. And I would again, this is another one of those where I'm like, oh, Expendables is on. Huh, cool. You know, it's, it's right. Let's spend you know, it. I had never seen any of the Expendables movies until this week. I watched uh, the first one. Dude, you and I, I just, watched I, it together. I didn't really – I don't know. I just, it just never really appealed to me for some reason. I don't really know why because I like all the guys in it, but I just was kind of like eh, – I just felt like it was going to be just kind of a – I don't know. Kind of dumb, I guess, and I just didn't have any desire to see it. And I watched it and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was about what everything I expected it to be. I'm not. I'm not like upset that I saw it, but it's. It, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch it again. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw this in the theater, not opening night, but probably opening week, and was very happy with it. Yeah, yeah I was. I'm not upset that I saw it or anything, but I'm not. I'm not gonna seek it out again. And then after this, uh, 2011, another animated film. No, 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 no not animated. Is, That's the one is, with uh, uh, Paul Blart. Yeah. Oh Kevin. shit! I saw that. I yeah. did see that too. It's okay. Yep. He does the voice of a lion because they offered him some money. Yeah. He's like, I don't have all the money yet. I should. I should get some more. <laughs> and he does Expendables too, adding more people onto the onto the docket. Um, Give more screen time to Arnold and Bruce. Yeah. Uh, this one, who does he add on this one? Chuck Norris, Jean Claude Van Damme as the uh, bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> They're all calling him up, going, "Uh, what the hell, buddy?" <laughs> yeah. That's. Pr- I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly why these are being made. Be- and you know, because they're like, "Hey, you know, he did the first one." They're like, wait, Stallone did what? I, I want to do that. You didn't call me? What the hell? Why would you not call me? Did you call me? <laughs> so, it's, uh, it, I, I like this one. And the big difference with the three films is his facial hair changes each time. But I like this one better than the first one, honestly. Really? The, the scene with Arnold and Bruce in the little car is classic. Right, maybe I need to watch this one. They, they're driving around in one of those little, like... Um, economy cars that that is looks like a shoe and they're they're shooting guns in the middle of like an airport or something and and arnold and him are driving around this little car just killing everybody was it this <laughs> one or the first one that nearly killed stallone the first one yeah okay yeah, yeah because he told dolph lundgren to really hit him oh yeah log lundgren is my favorite part of the series honestly i love it, dolph lundgren yeah and dolph lundgren uh really hit him full force and he had to be airlifted out <laughs> <laughs> and was in the hospital in critical condition. It collapsed one of his lungs and shit. Yeah, but Pat, if you like Arn or if you as you like Arnold as much as you do, you need to watch part two just for that him and Bruce Willis together. Yeah. All right. I I gotta see it. But yeah, but that that's he said Dolph Lundgren. Oh hit me you know, you never really hit me like real full hard when we did that other movie. Let's get and see if I could take it. <laughs> <laughs> twelve twelve years, thirteen years later, whatever. Ba boom. 
He and you know what? In all honesty, with these one, he looks pretty good. Yep. You know, he's what like almost seventy, breaking seventy now. Yeah. Yeah. He's. <laughs> he looks better than almost oh. everybody younger than him. He looks better than the four of us. Well, that's not saying much. Yeah. Let's not set the bar there. Yeah. Uh, All right. So after this, he does Bullet to the Head. A Warren Hill film, is, or Walter Hill, who's known for doing a kind of gritty, noir type, mob kind of type things. And it, it, it falls into that category. It feels like an, an, an late 80s, early 90s movie. Yeah. Okay. I saw this last night, and it's got a pretty good cast. Yeah, like I'm a big fan of Adewale Akuno. It's hard to pronounce his name. He was a guy who's Mr. Echo and Lost, oh, and okay. he's the main villain. What well, sort of? You got Jason Momoa as uh, his like henchman, sort of. Okay. Right, and like if the stuff between uh, Sung Kang and Sylvester Stallone, the weird "I'm a cop, you're a hitman." anti-buddy movie stuff doesn't work what does work in this film is the big fight at the end between jason momoa and sylvester stallone with fire axes oh, yeah geez. it's 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 a throwback in all the best ways possible plus you got christian slater and uh the scene when they're interrogating him uh, yeah okay so and i cannot believe patrick has not seen 2013's escape plan why pat again arnold schwarzenegger i don't i don't even know what movie that is it's him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's a from prison together. Yeah, he's 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 a guy that uh, can get out of any maximum security prison supposedly. So they throw him into this one to try and get him see where the weak faults are. But that it, it's a double cross, and they're just doing it to lock him up. And huh. him and Arnold team up to break out. It's uh, this it's so movie much, has somehow uh, completely got, gone by my radar. Uh, I, I didn't I even it when I was homesick one day. It's so all right, much. I'm going to have to find that. Yeah, yeah, you need to watch. How did I not even know about this? No idea. Weird. Weed's right. good. Of a drug. Awesome. <laughs> I think. I, I think I think I just shifted realities. Yeah. Now I'm in one of those alternate universes they always hear about. The Berenstein? Berenstein bears. Damn it. <laughs> and after that, he pairs up with De Niro to do Grudge Match. Boxing movie. Came out in Christmas. No one saw. About two, 30 year, you know, two uh, boxers who get back in the ring together after fighting each other 30 years ago. Oh, you know what? I did see that. Okay. Can't have been yeah. that great if you don't remember it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Expendables 3. I watched this last week. I want to see it because they're just like, okay, who did we forget? Well, this one, they bring in new guys. They bring in the young ones. Well, they also bring in Mel Gibson, Wesley Snipes, Harrison Antonio Ford. Banderas. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, that's when they're reaching. They're like, all right, what the okay. hell? Let's just get somebody that's not even done action before. But see, you know what? And Kelsey Grammer, though, he's like he's like the Mr. Johnson for this one. He's the one who's helping him get more people. <laughs> so remember that guy that played Kramer? Wouldn't he be great in an action movie? Yeah, in this one, though, hey. they bring in Victor Oritz, Oritz, Victor Oritz, Ronda Rousey, and Kellen Lutz. They got Michael Richards in this one? Kramer? You said Kramer. What did I say Kramer? No, Pat did. He's like, so what, who's the guy who played Kramer? Let's get him in this movie. No. He, oh, I did. <laughs> no, but he they, meant to say Frazier. Frazier, yeah. <laughs> I Whoa. totally missed that he said that. Giddy yeah. up. I didn't realize it either until you pointed it out. Oh, I did say that. That's funny. Yeah, Giddy this up. one's got Ronda Rousey as the new the new breed of of um, Expendables in this one. I mean, and honestly, she's pretty badass in this. Uh, we were watching it, and uh, there's a scene where she's fighting. You know, that it's her and Antonio Banderas, who is hilarious in this. He's just he is a completely psychotic and over the top in this one, and hitting on Ronda Rousey through the entire movie. And the two of them are fighting the you know all the um, 
the bad guys. I forgot who's who plays the bad guy in this one. Mel Gibson. You're the only one who saw it. I think Stone Banks. Mel Gibson is the bad is the bad guy in this one. Who's supposed to have been dead comes back, but Rousey's doing these tricks where she's like grabs a guy, brings her legs up, wraps her legs around his neck, slams him to the ground. This sort of thing. And I was watching this with Suzanne, and she's like, "Wow, can she really do that?" I'm like, "I'm laying a bet she did that." <laughs> I'm laying. I, I could give you a good maybe nine out of ten that she's probably doing all that on her own because you know. And then I showed her some clips from her actually fighting, and it was just like, "Damn!" But uh, and this was before. Before Holly Holm rocked her shit. Yeah, way before. But um, but yeah, no, a lot of fun. More of the same. Uh, again, everybody's doing it kind of tongue in cheek, where they know it's they're aware of what's going on, but you know they know it. They know what it is, but there's no like they're not like fully aware about the whole thing. Well, they're looking at part four already. So uh, yeah, they are. Uh, Reach me. Nobody's seen something about a mysterious motivational book. Which yeah, he was a bit part in this, I think. Okay, then he did Creed, which I really want to see. Came out this year, two thousand. Well, actually, last year now. Um, I, it's really, really, really well done. It's really good. Um, the guy that directed it, I forget his first name. His last name is Kugler. Um, who just got signed on to do the Black Panther movie for Marvel, but it's basically Rocky Balboa, Rocky, the original Rocky film, kind of retold for a modern era. But it's so well done that you don't care. I mean. It, I was really impressed with it overall. And um, there's a little bit where it gets a little contrived towards the end. But if you um, it's worth your time, it's 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 right in there with Rocky Balboa ties in nicely with that. What do you think, Pat? Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I had heard good things about it, so I was hoping it was going to be as good as I'd heard. I enjoyed it. Um, good storytelling, good acting. The kid, the kid that played, um, I guess it's not really a spoiler to, to tell you, Adonis. he's Apollo's son. Yeah. The kid who plays Apollo's, Apollo Creed's son is actually really good. And I, I really enjoyed the, um, the interplay between he and his girlfriend. I mean, that was a, those, those scenes were really well done. And by the end of the movie, you really, you know, you really care for the new characters. And so, I mean, it's a pretty good movie. Cool. It was, a, had a little bit of problems with pacing, like Joel said. Especially, like he said, towards the end, because I I noticed a couple times I'm like, why is there still you know 50 minutes left in this movie? We're like, so you know, like, everything's already almost sewn up. What are they gonna do? But, well, and the the without giving any spoilers away, because it's still in the theaters for some people. But um, the 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 kind of the hook with Rocky that happens towards that the would, third that's act. Kind of tough for, to watch. No. Right, that part feels a little bit tacked on to me, kind of like you know kind of trying to tie everything together with the, a fight, but I, I didn't care because it was so well done that by the end of it, I mean, they could make another movie still. And, and I, I mean, would, honestly, it's, 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 it's logical. It, it's not like, you know, right. it made sense. It, yeah. it did make sense. I, I I'm was, glad to hear you guys liked it because I wanted to see this because I've been a fan of the lead, that Michael B. Jordan, since he was on The Wire. So I, I, I since he, uh, Fantastic Four was so bad, I wanted to see him get a big movie that was actually good. Yeah. This is and it. he's really good in this. Yeah, yeah, no, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> now we're heading up into the coming up soon ones. Announced is Scarpa, where uh, he plays Gregory Scarpa, a former capo and enforcer for the Colombo crime family, which sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sounds like something he'd do. Uh, also, he did <laughs> Ratchet and Clank is coming up also, which is a video game movie huh. from the game Ratchet and Clank. Weird. Yeah, he plays Victor uh, Victor Von Ion, the bad guy. So I hope it's not going to be anything like Dennis Hopper in Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. <laughs> And then he's got something called Animal Crackers. He's doing doing more voiceover work this year. Animal Crackers, a family must use a magical box of Animal Crackers to save their circus from being taken over by their e- evil uncle. And he plays Bullet Man. So, and last but not least, The Expendables 4 has been announced. Has been announced. 
Who are they adding? We'll see. Uh, the only cast right now David is, Hyde Pierce. is uh, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. It's just him. Like, it's like a whole five minute of him and just him screaming through a battlefield. And Michael Richards. <laughs> and trying to show everybody the, the, the blood on his finger. Look at what happened to me. <laughs> it would actually be hilarious if he just like goes completely psycho and is like stabbing people. They're adding Jackie Chan, Kevin Pollock. Oh <laughs> awesome. So, And that's where we're at. And I never realized, honestly, I never realized exactly how much of a fan of Stallone I was until I started looking through the list of films and watching all of them again. But he was a part of my childhood, and I guess it's it, uh, it stuck a lot more than I realized. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we've talked enough about how he gets such a bad rap, but he's actually a bright guy, and he's had a real great career. I think it's he gets the bad rap because his biggest, his biggest movies, he's playing characters who aren't really well spoken sure uh, business wise this guy is smart as shit i mean he's making some now that he's back on that upturn you know i mean he's making with things that people want to see like expendables people want to see that people want to see you know the, the him doing the action flicks again i'm waiting for over the top two <laughs> over the top year it's gonna be a netflix original series um well and i think the the point the point is is that he realized early on that he doesn't have the looks to be a leading man of the traditional sense so he played to those strengths and it worked for him yeah so uh we've gone from ridiculous action and the expendables and uh etc to we're continuing a trend next week yes what we've got on tap we are (laughs) going to watch more movies hot shots versus tropic thunder which should be really awesome. Yeah, <laughs> wacky action comedies, uh, both with from, a war backdrop. Yep, yep. Then and now, so I'm looking forward to that one. And if you ever looked, to, wanted to see somebody, what happens when they try and fire a chicken out of a bow and arrow? Definitely watch Hot Shots. So it's just it's a safe and clean way to get your Charlie Sheen fix. You people, <laughs> I'm about to get full retard. So uh, also, if you guys have any ideas for shows for us. Definitely give us a call at 708-669-9727. That's 708-NOW-RAP. Also, you can find us on uh, email, 40go14 at gmail.com, or on Twitter at 40go14. Yeah, if you'd like to check out our archives, you can always find our old shows at iTunes, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some more ideas. Love to hear uh, what you think about the shows. But uh, again, thanks for listening. Adrian! You're nothing but a big, big potato. <laughs> I know his parts of Joey. He's over there. And there was his eyeball over here. And then there was a finger. And there was a little bit of toe. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Are we all got that out of our system now? Yes. Okay. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. You don't like being tied up, Pat? No, not at all. Like if I wake up in the middle of the night and my sheets have somehow wrapped (laughs) around me and I feel a little bit constricted, I start freaking out until I wake up (laughs) and get out of bed and like remake my bed. Note to self for Gen Con. Yeah, you know, not cool.